Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is truly the day that the Lord has made. And we go rejoice, rejoice, and be glad in it. We have a wonderful day today. It's a wonderful warm day today. It's supposed to be in the 90s today. Amen. This is a good day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And we are thankful for a great day that God has given us today. We get an opportunity to lift his name up. And that is a great day when we can lift up the name of the Lord. How glad I was when they said, let's go into the house of the Lord. I want to welcome you all here to the Ark of the Covenant ministry. Like we always said, this is not my hour. This is our hour to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. So let us go into the throne of grace. Let us become a sweet savior unto the nostrils of Jesus Christ. Let us give thanks to God for all that he has done, all that he's going to do, and all that he has done thus this far, as we thank in him for all of the sweet mercies and grace that he has given unto us, as we thank him for his tender mercy, as we thank him for his blessing, as we thank him for the trials and the tribulations that we have endured and that we have come out of and we are facing as of today. As we lay our prayer requests on the throne of grace, as we remember all of our friends and loved ones and family at this time, as we remember those that's less fortunate, that's going through troubling times right now. Those that have lost loved ones over the weekend. At this bitter weekend, this summertime has caused a dramatic rise in the shootings and the killing of innocent lives as the wars are steady being fought as those that's laying in tents and in cardboard boxes, sleeping in parks, as the numbers steady rise in India over the COVID season, as we remember those that's in nursing homes and hospital beds, lying on the beds of affliction, let us remember even our enemies at this time that we pray for their salvation as well. And truly, as we remember the loss that's being blinded by the adversary, as our heart is the heart of God, as he has written in his word that he says himself, that he wishes that no man shall perish, but all come unto the repentance. So let us go before the throne of grace. Dear Lord, our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thou is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Father God, we come before you this day. Lord, we thanking you for being God Almighty. We thanking you, Lord, for your touch, 
your mercy and your grace. We thank in you, Lord, because you have made a way out of no way. You have given us your grace, your love, and your mercy. You have shown us over and over again your particular love for us. You've shown us as you left your own home and came by way of humbling oneself. Father God, how grateful we are for that great getting up moment. Father God, you have never stopped working for us. And Lord, we just want to thank you because we are finds ourselves at times unworthy, but you have made us worthy. So Lord, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you because we are your children and you have proven to be a great father. Even when we have turned away, you have never walked away. And Lord, we thank you. So Father God, we cry out for our forgiveness as we repent and turn toward you. And Lord, we're asking that you turn away the wrath that we so desperately deserve. But we cry out for your mercy. And Father God, we're asking that you remember our prayer requests. Remember those that we love on our heart. Brother Dan and Sister Annie, Sister Barbara. We're asking that you remember those that we love so dearly. Sister Cash Dollar's family that's in the nursing home. Remember those that's back home that had the COVID, the mother that's home now. Lord, we're asking that you continually to strengthen them. Brothers Nate's family, as he keeps them on his heart. Sister Margaret's family. We remember in Australia, Lord, as Brother Steve constantly prays for his family. Lord, we remember in Sister Viola's children and her family as she constantly prays for them. Lord, we're remembering those on the internet that watches diligently as we pray for their family, as we pray for Sister Nunn and Brother Carrington and his wife, as we pray for Brother Austin and Michael, as we pray for Brother Shay and Buki, Sister Shay and Buki and the boys, we praying for all of them and their situations and circumstances. Lord, we praying for all of the family of Silver Birch. We praying for their families. Lord, we just asking that you work a miraculous thing. We praying for their salvation. We praying for their hope. We're praying for their deliverance, their victory in you. We're praying for the staff, Lord, and their family and friends. Their victory in Jesus Christ. Lord, we're praying for their protection. And Lord, most of all, we're praying that your love be manifested in their hearts. And Lord, we thank you for it. Now, Lord, we're praying that for all of your churches open in your name, that you be glorified, you be magnified, and the body of Christ be edified, that you be lifted up and you draw men unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, let the Lord be glorified this day across the land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen 
Amen and amen. Glory to the name of the living God. We know that there is Bible study on Saturday. I missed it this Saturday. Had a lot of things going on. We'll make this statement here. Y'all might not understand this statement, but it's not for you all. So if you don't understand it, don't worry about it. But if Brother Reginald can hear me, after this service, dial 219-702-8494. Brother Ricky is right here, right now. After this service, dial 219-702-8494. Brother Ricky is right here, right now. All right. Now, uh, our best Bible study, was it good? Excellent. Excellent. Y'all had a movie? No, no, we, we're doing oh, a book of Revelation. Just doing a book of Revelation. I thought maybe she showed a movie about Revelation. No, no, no. We're, we're doing the Okay. All right. Y'all had a good lesson. Okay. All right. We Also, uh, the class is going on for the uh, college course. Yes. All right. All right. All right. And we still have prayer meeting. It's going on. All right. Everybody know when everything is. Good. Um, anything new we need to announce? At the end of this month, um, we're going to be losing a few people. We're going to be losing a few people, and you one of them, right? Yeah, one of them. Yeah, Brother Stephen be leaving us at the end of the month, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you'll be leaving too? At the first of the month. All right. We're going to be losing a few. All right. And Deacon got one year older this week. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at all this stuff happening. Okay. Anybody else got any birthdays coming up? The day I leave. Huh? The day I leave. The day you leave is your birthday? The 29th of June. The 29th of June. All right. Praise I'll be 23. 23. <laughs> you still ain't learned to tell the truth yet. No, no. no. That's all right, Steve. Praise the Lord. We're going to work on you. <laughs> We're praying for you, Brother Steve. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Let us get into the word of the living God today, today, today. You know, one of the most, I guess, one of the, I, I, Listen, have you ever talked about yourself? You ever, you ever talked about you? You know, I guess that is one of the most enjoyable things uh, I, I could say is enjoyable. Uh, uh, when you tell on you, <laughs> and it's a wonderful thing when you get an opportunity to tell on you, and when God works with you, and you get an opportunity to talk about you to you, and you just hope nobody's around to hear it. And I'm just caught in a catch-22 because you all are here to hear me talk about me, and I don't want nobody to hear. But you all are here, so I guess y'all will hear. And there will be a story today. And this story, maybe some of y'all might be done heard the first part of the story. And it's a story of a man that was given an interesting thing. But most people only hear, heard the first part of the story. They never really knew that there was a second part to the story. So let me deliver the story. There once was a man driving a pretty nice car. 
And he was driving down the road and he looked up and he heard a siren go off. And when he looked in his rear view mirror, it was a motorcycle police officer. And he noticed that he hadn't, wasn't speeding, he hadn't run no stoplight, he hadn't run no stop sign, and he pulled on over and the motorcycle police officer pulled right over behind him. He got off his motorcycle. The man shut off his car. He was a little frustrated. And as the officer walked towards the car, the man was a little fatigued and everything. He was waiting for that officer to get to the side of his car. And the moment the officer got to the side of the car, the man said, I don't understand it. Why did you stop me? I had not speeding. I have not run no stop sign. I have not run no stop light. Why did you stop me? The officer never said a word, went into his jacket pocket, handed the man a summons and turned around and walked away. The man took the summons and looked at it, looked at the police officer. The police officer got back on his motorcycle and drove on off. The man looked at the summons. He looked at it and pondered and thought about it. The man turned around and his car drove all the way back home. He got back home, got to his wife. He said, wife, what have you done? The wife said, I've done nothing. She, he said, you had to be done, done something. He said, I got a summons to court. She said, what, what, then why did I do something if you got the summons? He said, well, you must be done done something. I'm, I'm just the man of the house. They gave it to me because I'm the man of the house. So you had to be done done something. I done nothing. So you done something. He said, no. She said, no, honey, I did nothing. He, she said, open the summons up and look. He seen on the summons, there was no writing on the summons, just said one thing, report to building 666 on the sixth floor, June 6, 6 p.m. He said, it don't tell me what you did. She said, I ain't did nothing. It's got your name on it. So on June 6, at 6 p.m., he got there at 5.30. And when he got to the building on the sixth floor, he walked into the courtroom, courtroom full of people. He come in, he saw the bailiff. He took the summons and handed it to the bailiff and the bailiff looked at it. He said, oh yeah, oh yeah, you right on the docket. Sit on down, sir. He sat on down, he saw the people sitting there and everybody talking to one another. He looked at one lady, he said, ma'am, I don't even know why I'm here. She said, did you get a summons? She said, yeah. He said, well, you in the right place and you did something. He said, I ain't did a thing. He said, he said, a matter of fact, I don't, I don't remember doing nothing at all. She said, don't worry about it. You done done something? She said, just get ready to go to jail. He said, jail? Not me. Not me. Not me. Pretty soon, the, the people that sits in the jury booth, they start coming in. It was one man. He had a lot of books. He came in and he sat down in his seat. There was another man that came in. He had a lightning bolt on his chest. And he came in. So he came in and he sat on down. There was another man. He had a whole lot of eyes on this hat that he was wearing. He sat down. It was a whole lot of people that sat down in these jury boxes. It was 14 individuals that sat down in the jury box. And then pretty soon, you heard a man say, all rise. Then the judge sat down. Pretty soon, they heard five cases. Then they got to case number six. And this young man was called. Case number six, they called his name. His name was Robert. Robert Davis, they called him. Robert Davis got up. He said, your honor, I don't know why I'm here. I did no wrong. He said, okay. The bailiff stood up. He said, Your Honor, the man is charged with lying, stealing, whoremongering. He's charged with being a, a drunkard. He said, Your Honor, all of this is untrue about me. Untrue, untrue, untrue. He said, Well, take the seat. Take your seat in the witness stand. Do you promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help you, God. 
He said, I promise, I promise, I promise. As soon as he sat out in the seat, the bailiff jumped straight up. He said, your turn, prosecutor. Prosecutor jumped straight up and looked at him. He said, on December 7th of the year 63, did you pick up a piece of paper at so-and-so address at such and such a time? He said, I can't even remember that far back. He said, okay then, how about in 1972, did you file your taxes and, and claim so-and-so, so-and-so? He said, well, yeah, I did that. He said, because I had so-and-so, so-and-so. He said, you know you told a lie that day. He said, it really wasn't a lie. It was just I stretched the truth. The judge said, listen, did you do it or did you not do it? Yes or no? Yes. He lied, Your Honor. We demand he be sentenced to death. Death! He said, hold it now. Wait a minute, Your Honor. It was just a little lie. A little lie, Your Honor. Just a little lie. He said, what well, Move on to the next one. He said, listen, did you see your neighbor's daughter in a bikini laying over there while you was looking over the fence, watering the lawn? He said, well, yes, I, I saw it. He said, did you not think you wanted to be with your neighbor's daughter? He said, well, no, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, no, yes or no? He said, well, wait, the thought came into my mind, but he said, but did you do it? He said, wait, wait, yes. He said, the judge. Judge, I sentenced the, I asked for sentencing on him. Death. He said, no, wait a minute, Your Honor. Hold on. He went through about eight of them, and he was found guilty on all of them. Pretty soon, the man, tears was running through his eyes. He couldn't help himself as tears fell. The man sitting there crying, the lady that he was sitting there talking to, she stood up. She said, Your Honor, may I speak to him? She said, Your Honor said, well, go ahead and talk to him. She walked up there and whispered something in his ear. He looked at the judge. He said, Your Honor, I need counsel. The judge looked up. He, he said, is anybody here that would defend the man? The man is guilty of every charge so far. Is there anybody here that would defend him? Nobody said a word. Everybody looked around, way in the back, all the way in the corner of the courtroom, there was a man, way in the back. And when the man stood up, all the juries looked back over in the corner when the man stood up. People in the courtroom turned around when he stood up. And all of a sudden, the bailiff looked back there and saw him. The bailiff said, Bow your heads, the man dragging one foot. Dragging himself up there, slanging his feet, hands dripping, clothes torn, bleeding down the side of his face. The judge stood up and he took the man by the hand. And he said, Your Honor, I'll defend him. The judge looked at the man. He said, not you. He said, I've got to defend him. He said, not you. He said, I must defend him. He said, not you. He looked at the man and he said, go free. Go free. He said, but not you. The man said, go free. Go free. And the man turned. He said, I can leave. He said, go free. Go free. And the man turned and walked away. And when he got to the door, he said, why do I deserve to go free? He said, because I'm going to go and take that beating for you. And they walked up and they took the man on to the jail. And as they all was bent over and they took the man on out the courtroom, there was that woman crying with tears in her eyes. She was just bawling down on the ground crying. And they called for the next case.
and they called old Sally. Now old Sally was that woman that was crying. And they asked her, how do you plead? She said, I'm guilty. I ain't even got to sit in the chair. She said, I'm guilty of everything y'all said, but I ain't worthy. I ain't worthy of nobody to defend me. I did it on purpose. I ain't worthy of a defense. I ain't worthy. I'm not worthy to judge it. What you want me to do? She said, just sentence me. Pretty soon, the same man, he turned around and come back, dragging himself, barely making it, carrying a cross upon his back. He took her by the hand. He said, Your Honor, the judge looked at him, not you, not you, please don't say it. He looked at her, he said, go free. She said, no, I ain't worthy. He said, go free. She said, I ain't worthy. He said, go, go. She said, but why? He said, because I love you. Because I love you. And she turned and walked away as they took him and carried him on off. I want to talk to you today about something that each one of you have that you should have been indoctrinated with at birth. But it was stolen from you. And God is trying to give it back to you. Many of us at birth, from the time that you were born, the government issues you an identification. The government gives you an identification and all of us are known by it. It gives us what they call a number, a social security number. And that number follows us until we die. Until we leave this earth, we have our identification number. It puts on our ID, they put it on everything that we are. We get this social security number and it represents who we are. When we get, everywhere we go, they ask for this number. Most of us know our social security number by heart. We, they ask us for this number and we ribble it off. What's your, what's your social, SSN? Everybody wants your SSN. Social security number. It represents who you are. It tells who you are. From the time you born, you are issued this number. This number represents who you are. Throughout your life, you are that number. Until you get old enough to remember it, you are that number regardless whether you want it or not. Unless you was like me, you get another number on the back of a uniform. Some of y'all might not know what that is, but, <laughs> but you get another number, you that number too. But, you have that number and you are that number but there is something else that you are identified with when you come into the body of Christ and it is a terrible thing a terrible thing when you cannot find it in the body of Christ it is an ugly thing when it's, you cannot be identified by it. 
And it is one of the most significant things that the body of Christ is supposed to be identified by. Matter of fact, it is the only ID card that a Christian has. It is the most important identifying tool of a Christian. This morning, me and my wife was talking. It is a unique thing how God will bring forth a message. And my messages is always given to me, as I tell you all, Monday morning, in the wee hours of the morning, and every day God will give me more and more of the message. More and more. I want to talk to you today from the topic of it's him become it and use it it's him become it and use it and I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. And we all know that chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is known as the love chapter. It is the love chapter. It is that chapter that talks about love. And it is the most important thing about you and I that God wanted us to know. And I want to talk about love today because it is our signature. It is what you and I are supposed to be. It is at our identification card. It is our ID. It is our social security number in the body of Christ. Let us look at the most controversial scriptures throughout the entire Bible. By my estimation. <laughs> but let's take a look at them. Verses 8 through 10. The Bible says... Let me get my other spectacles here. Because I want you to follow along with me. And I want you to see how Paul addresses one of the most critical issues throughout the Christian's walk. The Bible says, charity never faileth, but... <laughs> But whether there be prophecy, they not, not listen. The word charity here just simply means love. Whether there be prophecy, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. He said, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now, I want you to walk with me as we begin our journey through the 13th chapter of the book. Of Corinthians. The Bible starts off very uniquely because it wants us to see a powerful, powerful thing. Paul says, Though I speak to you which in tongues and of angels and not, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become 
as a sounding of brass and tinkling cymbals. If I have not charity and I speaking to you, then I am just a sounding brass. I am just a little bitty thing. I make a little tinking. I have no power whatsoever. It makes no difference if I come to you as a man or speak the language of angels. If you want to know the language of angels, it is sometimes referred to as the Hebrew language. And you can find that if you want to really get that controversial talking, you can look at in the book of Acts uh, verses 24, uh, verse 14, you could look at that and kind of compare and see, but they believe some believe that it is the Hebrew language because the Hebrew language, whatever letter that you write in the Hebrew language, it represents three different things. It also represents a number. It is the same language that when Paul was knocked off his beast and he was talking and he was giving a conversation, he says that, when he was knocked off, he said that the thing that, that spoke to him, it spoke to him in Hebrew. So it was referring that the language that was spoken in heaven was the Hebrew language. So they prefer that the, he, that the angel's language is the Hebrew language. So he's saying that if I come to you with the language that the angels would speak, or if I come to you as a language that the men on earth speak, or if I come to you any kind of way, in any way that you can understand, but I have not love, I have no power whatsoever. It makes no difference how I come. If I have not love, I have nothing. It makes no difference how much money I have. It makes no difference what my stature is. It makes no difference what I'm wearing. It makes no difference what, how much cologne I put on. It makes no difference how cute I think I am. It makes no difference of where I'm standing. It makes no difference of what my position is. If I have not love, I have nothing. Listen to what the second verse says. He says, and though I have the gifts of prophecy and understanding all mysteries, all the mysteries, we one day will talk about the mysteries, the seven mysteries of the Bible, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could reprove, move, remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. If I don't have love, I got nothing. If I can do all the wonders that God promised in the Bible, if I can have the faith to move mountains, that the faith of a mustard seed, and I can walk up to the mountain and say, mountain, cast into the sea. If I'm able to lay hands on the sick and the sick can recover. If I'm able to feed 5,000 with two loaves and a fish of, and, and, and some fish. And, uh, but if I don't have love, I have nothing. The Bible says in the 12th verse, it ends with a, a very interesting place. It says that, that there is a great, like a great thing at the end of the 12th verse. It, it, it's, it ends with there is a, 
a powerful thing that the most important thing of all is this thing here and it cuts off right there and some people believe that the verse meant to continue because see there is actually no chapters in the Bible in the original text so it was continually to go on and it was really continuing to believe that it was saying that the most important thing throughout the entire Bible was love. Because you want to know why? Because in order to have love, you needed to have Christ. Because you see, you couldn't love on your own. You see, you and I, we didn't have love. We don't know how to love. Because you see, we wrapped in this filthy thing called flesh. And there is no love in the flesh. You see, the flesh has its own way. You see, the flesh has the way of the world wrapped in it. So you gonna do what the world wants you to do in the flesh. The Bible says that your heart is desperately wicked. So your heart has no love in it. In Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, it says that your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it but God? Your mind needs to be renewed because it's incapable of love. You have a spirit, but your spirit is unpure because the moment you sin, it belongs to the devil and your soul belongs to him as well. So there is no love in you. You see, love belongs to God for he is love. For he, God is love. You see, watch what the word of God says about us. Look at what it says in the next verse. It says that charity, charity suffereth long, long and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaulted not itself and is not puffed up. Don't that sound like Jesus? It don't sound like us. We will not suffer. We'll do anything to stop suffering. We won't put up with each other. You do something to one of us that we don't like, we're going to let you know about it. We quick to tell you to get up off our foot. But love, the Bible said that God so loved the world that he gave. He was long-suffering with us. He was so long suffering with us that he put up with me even when I turned my back on him. How many of you can say that he put up with you when you turned your back on him? How many times have you said, I'm going to stop doing this and you redone it all over again? How many times have you did fell on your knees and said, Lord, help me to stop doing this. And the moment you got up off your knees, you did it one more time. 
How many times have you said, I know it's wrong, but I can't help myself. You told that lie. You did it because you wanted to do it. The Bible says in verse number five, do not behave, don't not behave itself unseemly, seek it not her own, not easily provoked, think it no evil. How many times have you thought evil? How many times were you provoked because somebody says something and you went clean off the handle? How many times have you turned and hurt somebody's feeling because they hurt yours? How many times have you did something out of spite? I could raise my hand when anybody else raised theirs. Have you ever done it? I could raise mine. I done it. The Bible says in verse number six, rejoice in iniquity, but re rejoice it in truth. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice it in the truth. See, love don't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. And then we go to verse 8, 9, and 10. These are the most controversial verses in the Bible. And I'm going to try to help you through these verses. The Bible says that charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecy, they shall fail it. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which perfect is come, mm, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now I want you to understand that charity never faileth. That means love never faileth. The reason that love never faileth is simply because I want you to understand that every word in the Bible, when it starts with in the beginning to the last word that says amen, when you look in Revelations chapter 22, the last scripture in the Bible Bible ends with a man. From in the word in in the Genesis chapter 1 starts with in. The last word is amen. It goes from in to amen. All of it is written about Jesus Christ. Every word in the Bible represents Jesus Christ. From beginning to end, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's no other figure that it is writing about. It's nobody else that is talking about. It's nobody else. I want you never ever to be confused about this. The whole Bible is about the man, Christ Jesus. Nobody else. And in that, when it says charity never fails, it's saying that love never fails simply because Jesus Christ never failed. He is love. He never fails. You need to become as he is. You need to be transformed as he is. You need to act as he is. When it says that prophecy 
will pass away. You know how prophecy pass away? When it's fulfilled. It's going to pass away. When it's fulfilled, it's going to pass away. The Bible says, tongues, they shall cease. Won't be no need for tongues at a certain time. You won't have to speak in tongues at a certain time. See, tongues only comes right now. But there will be a time when Jesus sits on his throne. There will be no need for tongues. Because the Bible continues to say that when, when the time comes. See, it tells you that. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect, and there's only one that is perfect, that's Jesus Christ. When that is perfect come, then that which is in part shall be done away. All, see, once Jesus Christ come and sit on his throne all that is in that have done stuff, we will know it all then. There will be no part. We will know it all. Because all we got to do is walk to the throne. Because the fullness thereof is come. He will be sitting on the throne. And if you are a child of God, and is on the throne and sitting and he is on the throne then you will be at the throne with him you will be able to come before the throne of grace because Christ will be on his throne the Bible says that the new Jerusalem shall descend upon this earth this brand new earth and if you are a child of God with the love of Christ showing in you, then you will be before that throne. If you got your identification on you, then you will be before that throne. But many of people, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I work in this place and you ask them for the ID and they don't have it? Because you know they're a liar. There are a lot of people the Bible says that Jesus said. He said there's many going to say Jesus, Jesus in those days. And he going to say I know you not. Because they, they not going to have no ID. They not going to be a part of his kingdom. They're not going to be able to come into the kingdom of God because they're not going to have no ID. They're going to be able to confess with their mouth, but they're not going to have the ID card. The Bible continues to say, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. See, you got to understand that when you come into the Lord Jesus Christ, you come as a child. I don't care how old you are. It's not about your age. You got to come with childlike faith. Childlike faith. And you grow up in the Lord. You see, you put away that child. See, here's the thing. Do you know a child don't love you? They grow in love. A child don't love you. That's why a lot of times you see grown men acting crazy. Because they don't know nothing about love. They don't know nothing about love. Because you reached the age of 21, that don't make you know anything about love. Because you've been in the church 
50 years that don't make you know anything about love. Because you pick up a Bible and walk with the Bible all the time in your hand, that don't make you know anything about love. You have to grow up in Christ. Paul said you ought to be teachers by now. He said, but listen, we're going to have to go over this thing all over again. Father's Day is coming up soon. And the basic thing about a father is that he is an individual that understands love. He knows how to love. See, love is an action. Jesus never stopped moving. His body laid in the tomb. He commanded his spirit to go to the Father. But the Bible says before he ascend, he first must descend to the lower parts of the earth. He separated himself in three different directions. His body went to the tomb, his spirit went to the Father, and his soul went to the lower parts of the earth. Why? Because he loved. He loved. Love is an action thing. You can't open up your mouth and say you love me. How would I know it? You got to show me. That's what Christ means. Show me that you love me. Jesus said if you love me, you would obey me. That means you got to put up with your brothers and sisters. You can't act like you're going to put up with somebody. Then the next thing out of your mouth is cursing them at the same time. Jesus said you got to forgive them 70 times 7. In a day. You can't act like you judge, jury, and execution. Love is your social security number in Christ Jesus. We are to love. The Bible continues, it says in verse 12, for now we see through a glass darkly to then face to face. See, we don't see the full picture until we get in front of Jesus face to face. Hallelujah. Boy, when we get in front of him, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. See, when I get in front of him, what I, that, that stuff I used to know, that this little stuff I know now, oh man, I could throw that away because he's going to reveal it all to me then. I get face to face with Jesus. Boy, when I get face to face with Jesus, I'll be down on my knees just, just shaking and trembling again. Oh, no. oh. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord. Trembling before the master. Hallelujah. And then it says in 13, now watch what it says here. And now, abiding faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is love because without love you ain't even there love is your social security number in the kingdom of God I want you to put this on your mind before we take communion today if you got aught with a brother or a sister, I want you to make amends 
with that. If you got a situation going on with somebody, you need to make amends with that. Because taking communion is the most sacredest thing in God's kingdom.